Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is January 17th, 2017. Uh, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to everyone in the U.S. I know I know there are a few international listeners, but uh, happy MLK Day to everyone. I hope everyone had a reflective and relaxing Monday, at least until the Magic game started as the Orlando Magic played a matinee up in Denver, up against the Denver Nuggets, a 125-112 loss. I'll talk about that real briefly before we dive into today's episode. Uh, we got a little bit of a clip show for you here today, a kind of a clip show, another long episode. Um, I'll officially label this Orlando Magic Daily Podcast episode number, I think it's 62 now, um, so you'll you'll see this promoted as such everywhere else. Uh, after the Magic's loss, uh, our good pal Chris Barnwall from At The Hive, as well as several other websites um, where he contributes uh, regularly, uh, friend of the friend of the show, friend of the site, Friend of everybody, really. Friend of friend of all internet dwellers everywhere. Uh, he had some thoughts on the magic, uh, so we were kind of pick up where we left off on yesterday's show, talking about how the magic got got to where they are and how they go about, you know, kind of correcting some of the problems that they have. So a good long discussion about the magic. Uh, you know, it, it 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 does ramble occasionally, but but it wouldn't be a good podcast if it didn't ramble. On occasion, uh, I'm also going to play back um, a radio segment I did before uh, Monday's game on the Orlando Magic that I did for Sports Talk Florida 1080, the team and Tuck and O'Neill. Uh, so uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit. And of course, I want to remind everyone to go back and listen to yesterday's episode of the Locked On Magic podcast, Orlando Magic Daily podcast, as uh, Zach Oliver of Orlando Pinstripe Post joined the show to do a mid-season recap. We'll continue some mid-season recaps throughout the week. Plenty to get through as we pa- we're past the midway point of the season uh, and the Orlando Magic are hurtling towards the trade deadline in February as well as the second half of the season, which has not gotten off to a fantastic start, an 0-2 start to that part of the season. But let's talk real briefly. I'm not going to go too long here because we will we'll chat a little bit about it in the in the segment with Chris about the Orlando Magic's loss to the Denver Nuggets on Monday. This was not a pretty game by any sense of the imagination. It was not a good game for the Magic by any sense of the imagination. There were a few good individual bright spots, which I'll touch on real briefly, that the Denver Nuggets just dominated the Orlando Magic. There is no way around it. They scored 39 points in the first quarter, and it was pretty much whatever they wanted to do offensively, they did. 39 points in the first quarter, 30 in the second, 31 in the third as they broke the game open, uh, taking an eight-point lead at halftime, which was really, it was a closer game heading into halftime, and then Denver, I think, burned off six points right at the very end of the half to go up by eight, and from there, it was just over. Um, Denver scored 76 points in the paint. They shoot 58% from the floor. Nikola Jokic, a game, a season-high, career-high, 30 points, was absolutely brilliant. Emmanuel Moutier with a career-high 13 assists. He was just breaking the magic down off the dribble in the pick-and-roll, 
dumping it down to his big, who would dump it down to the next big. Jokic is a fantastic passer, so you you got to help the helper when he's around, and the Magic just did not do it. They look lifeless. They look slow. They did not look very interested in playing uh, on Monday afternoon, and that's really disappointing because, um, as I said in my sidebar, and I'll probably talk a little bit more about this on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic, the Magic had done some really nice things on the last three games of the road trip. Yeah, they went one and two, but they'd done some nice things. They'd built some momentum. It seemed like effort was was getting to be a little consistent, and, and the effort was just not there, and, and I don't use that word lightly. Um, effort was just not there. It didn't look like the Magic were particularly engaged uh, physically or, or emotionally in this game, um, you know, save for a few players, and maybe that's being overly harsh, and if it is, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry. But it, it didn't feel like the Magic were into it defensively. It didn't feel like they wanted to uh, play physical on defense. They wanted to box out. You know, like, like the boxing out thing, is, is it, it's, it's a pet peeve of mine with this team. They, they do not box out, and they, that's why they give up a lot of rebounds. Uh, 76 points in the paint says it all. The Magic just did not do a good job locking down the paint and making life hard for the Denver Nuggets. I didn't like the sets that the Magic ran. Um they 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 didn't they didn't ever have a real good offensive flow. They started off the game really slow. The bench actually came in and kind of saved the day a little bit, which was nice to see. Bismack Biombo with some nice energy, but overall just a a struggling, frustrating, disappointing effort. Alfred Payton 20 points, 12 assists to lead the way. Nikola Vucevic 17 points, 4 rebounds, not a good not a good stat line for him as he got he got worked in the pick and roll. It happened still with him. DJ Augustine, 14 points off the bench. Bismack Biombo, 15 points, 9 rebounds for him in an overall solid effort. 7 for 9 shooting for, for Biombo. As always, as it's been for the last few months, generally the Magic's offense is not a problem. They scored 112 points. You know, Denver gives up a lot of points, but uh, they did their job offensively to, to let the Magic win. They scored 30-plus in the first quarter after a slow start. They figured some things out. They could not stop anybody. They could not. They 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 just didn't stop at Denver. Denver just did whatever they wanted to do, and that's why they won this game. And we're now to one game left on this road trip. And before the Magic left on the road trip, I kind of said, and I don't think I was alone in thinking this, that this road trip was going to be a very big decision point for the Magic. It was going to be kind of a a, a time to say, okay. Does this team have enough to, to hold the boat steady and make a playoff push? Or is this team going to need to make changes? And I think it's very clear where the Magic are at. They're now 1-4 and four on the road trip with one game left at New Orleans. Not an easy game. Um, the Magic have quickly fallen out of the playoff race, and it does feel like the season is slipping away. And that urgency is just not there. I mean, we saw it two two games ago. We saw it, saw it there. Um, but... We didn't see it Monday night in, in, in a game that the Magic absolutely had to win to get out of there three and to get out of this road trip three and three, which is absolutely critical. Uh, which was absolutely critical for keeping the Magic's head above water, so to speak. Um, it left us with some questions, though. And certainly, every loss seems to leave us with questions about this team. And the question that the big question that we had was, where does that leave this team right now? If that makes sense. Where does where is this team at as far as uh, what they're moving moving toward? What was their goal? How did we get here? And that was the question that uh, Chris Barnwall uh, wanted to ask me. And so we we got on we got on Skype and, and we talked about it. And so here is my conversation with uh, with Chris Barnwall. 
And we are joined now by our good pal, Chris Barnwell, uh, been a guest of the show many times now. Uh, Chris, how are you doing today? Um, not as good as I'd like to be. Magic are not good. The magic but, you are. Know, you know, I'm not going to let them ruin my, my no, evening. Don't. I'm not going to let them don't. ruin my anything. Don't. Don't let them ruin your evening. It's, 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 still, it's still a holiday technically, right? Um, well, Probably not by the time everyone listens to this. It depends who you work for. It depends who you work for, really. That's true. Well, it should be a holiday for for everybody, um, even the NBA, and they should be playing a game in Memphis right now and not in Oakland, but... Yo, can we actually... (laughs) Before we get into what we actually want to talk to, like, that used to kind of be a thing. They'd have a home game in Memphis, one in Atlanta, one in Charlotte, one in D.C., you know, all these historic towns. Yeah. I guess they technically have one in L.A. today, but... And today, instead, they, the primetime games in Gold, is Golden State-Cleveland, which is an absolute blowout right now. And it's uh, not that that's a bad Denver game Orlando to feature. Denver, Denver, Orlando, I, I mean, talk about, you know, things. Denver, Orlando was not only the matinee, it was the Magic's first NBA TV game and national TV game of any kind this season, this regular season. So, Yikes. good job, Magic, 125 one twelve loss to the uh to the uh uh Denver Nuggets. I even forget who they played. It was just such a massacre. Um at, uh Nikola Jokic career high, Emmanuel Moutier career high in assists. Just a complete and utter beatdown. Uh I, it was not a thirteen point game. I checked out in the fourth quarter because it was just it, the magic just had no juice or energy. And you know, we you you wanted to come up, come in here and talk a little bit about how the magic got to this point, and I think Wednesday, or Monday's game, we'll see about Wednesday's game, Monday's game was really a microcosm in some ways of a lot of what's happened with the Magic season where we just can't explain it. They come out with no energy uh, and get run out of the gym by a team that I I think a lot of people might say is not as good as the Magic. Um, Record would say that they're about even with the Magic, and... They just get they just get blown out and look completely lifeless and there's a twelve point thirteen point deficit but it felt like a lot more throughout the entire game. Yeah, it was one of those games where you I actually came in late. I just flipped it on and I mean went oh my god they're getting their ass kicked like the score wasn't even an indication like it was more just the way like they looked mm-hmm. the way Denver looked like Jokic was hitting wide open easy like passes like to Kenneth Fareed for dunks just it was one of those. Games was like this is just a massacre in any shape of the in any shape of the word, and of course it had to be um, a five o'clock matinee game in front of everyone that had decided to use their holiday to watch it. I guess on the plus side, this is usually one of the lower rated games. Uh, yeah, pro- probably, and then hopefully everyone tuned into TNT special uh, from the King Center in Atlanta uh, that started I think at seven seven or seven thirty. I caught it after Magic coverage was done. Because um, that was probably much more productive than than anything that the Magic did, uh, but like I said, it just it felt very emblematic of this season for the Magic. It's been a really trying season, uh, I think, for a lot That's a of word. people. Huh? That's a word. That's yeah, and it's probably the wrong word to use because I think a lot of people would claim that the Magic haven't tried the entire season. Zing, um, zing. Uh, but it, it's been a very Difficult season for Orlando for um, a number of reasons, and I think coming to terms with those reasons is is, is what we we want to talk about here. Uh, this Magic team is now what four that they're four and a half games out of the playoffs. I think they're actually closer to the Sixers than they are to the playoffs, which 
I think would shock a lot of people because Philadelphia is playing very, very well right now. Uh, but they're, the Magic are slowly fading out of that playoff race. And this month continues to get tough. This month has killed them with the road trip and, and everything. Uh, but what, I mean, we're, we're past the midpoint now. What do you make of this Magic team and, and how they calibrated their goals and, and what they were trying to achieve this year? Well, obviously they wanted to make the playoffs this year, but they've wanted to make the playoffs for like three years now. So I, at this point, what they want is kind of irrelevant. I feel like the way we kind of view them is a little more important at this point. And I feel like a lot of people had playoff expectations or like expectations for them to kind of make to at least compete for the playoffs. I know I picked them for 40 games, but really I can't say nothing that's happened this season has felt particularly surprising or, you know, heart-wrenching when I watched them. Like we all kind of had some concerns that what was going to happen, what's been happening so far has was going to happen. And really once again, it kind of felt like one of the issues is they reached this point. We saw this last year where we got kind of excited about them. Like the defense was playing well. They were winning some games here and there. They looked competitive and, you know, it was exciting. And then we let expectations get the better best of us. And now there's a lot of really frustrated magic fans with the way that they're kind of being ran, the way the team's playing, the, and just the results on a night-to-night basis, they're losing tons of games on this road trip right now. And it's really frustrating, but for me personally, just nothing that's happened this season has particularly shocked me. I don't know if that just means I was really pessimistic going in or if just my expectations were low, was that low. But I almost wonder if if we weren't expecting the playoffs out of this team, if we just kind of had given up and was like, yeah, 35 wins, why not? If we would like be a little more you know, prepared for what's been happening. Yeah. And and I'm, and I'm kind of a big proponent sometimes of, of shifting expectations. Like, uh, especially when a team begins to outperform expectations early in the season, uh, that you do have to kind of shift what you expect from the team. But I also think you have to kind of keep in mind what you thought about the team at the beginning of the season, what was realistic at the beginning of the season and kind of keep that in perspective. Um, last year is a perfect example of that. The Magic go 19 and 13. They were fighting for home court in the Eastern Conference when the calendar turned to 2016, and then they go two and 12 in January. And and one instance that is extremely disappointing, and it should be extremely disappointing, and it should be somewhat somewhat alarming, but not like full panic bells ringing. But it should be a sign that okay, this team has a good team in them, but they also have some problems that you know might be a long-term problem too. And you have to make some tweaks and and what you have clearly doesn't work. But at the same time, I had last year's team winning 35 games. And in the the long stretch of things, getting a 10-win improvement I thought was was good progress. And uh, there were issues that you need to resolve, but I didn't think it was completely out of the picture to say, okay, that there's something in this group, they're missing something, whatever it is, they're missing, they're missing something. And they have to figure out how to, how to find it in the off season to, to get to that next stage. But they were making the steps forward this year's team. I think kind of entered with those playoff expectations. And I think ownership and management put those expectations on them. I don't think they didn't hide from it. They, they were front and center about what they thought this team could do and sold the fans on it. And so obviously the fans are kind of reacting to that because this team hasn't lived up to expectation. And at the end of the day, what fans want, is besides a winning product, is to go to a game and be entertained. And the fact that this team is so inconsistent that you can't rely on them to put in a solid effort and be entertaining, at the very least, it disappoints a lot of fans, especially when the playoffs were kind of the promise. Um, if you're, if you're going to suck, at least be entertaining while you suck. Um, and I think that's 
right now the motto for the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, and some <laughs> of, and some of the young players that they have. Um, but it, this team has just disappointed those expectations across the board, and that's why I think we are where we're where we're at. Fans haven't recalibrated their expectations because you know those expectations were so hungered for and wanted. It's all and, they really have. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing else to hold on to. I mean, Aaron Gordon's nice. I like Aaron Gordon a lot, but people are still very divided on Aaron Gordon. Uh, he had four for points, one reason or I mean, another. When he's not scoring 28, like it's really, really bad. Yeah, and especially on offense, at least it's very, very bad. And Alfred Payton's kind of the same way. Like he had 20 points and it was great, but in those games where he's not, you know, really performing at the level you really want from him, it's bad and it's not fun. Yeah, and. and you know, maybe the wrong bet was made defense. I mean, I think with the roster and personnel they had, that making the bet on defense was the right direction to go to. But it's really hard to sell fans on a team that relies on defense if they're not actually going to play defense like this Magic team is. Because the, the offense, just it is what it is. I mean, Vogel's not known as an offensive coach. They don't have a lot of shooters. This isn't a team that's supposed Look, to score teams offensively. you could get Mike here, this team would not score. Like, they'd they'd, they'd, they'd score, but they wouldn't win. I don't care what offensive guru you bring in here. This team could not score with any offensive coach. None. They don't have scores. No, they don't. Not not consistently, at least. Like, they're going to have the dud, the dud game. And we've seen that so many times. And I think the biggest warning sign for this team, that this team just isn't good, is the fact that they get blown out by 30 points on a relatively regular basis. Efforts they like, lose really bad and don't win well. Yes. And they haven't been able to string together wins at all either. I mean, like, it's okay to lose occasionally, but they've had, what, two or three 30-point losses at home, or they've trailed by 30 at least two or three times at home. That can't happen. That can't happen, especially if you're trying to make the playoffs. Right, and it's extra frustrating for everyone when you kind of, like, got really excited about the rebuild about how long was it ago? Five years ago? and Yeah. Uh, and it, it just feels like they made very minimal progress. Even though, honestly, this is probably the best team they've had since that final year with Dwight Howard, and that says a whole lot. It certainly, I, I mean, I agree with that. I think it's certainly the most talented team that this Magic that the Magic have had in the last five years. Um, there's, there's no like the disappointment uh, with this team is not like the disappointment with last year's team. Last year's team it was oh they didn't grow enough to to get where they wanted to go. So how do they move forward next? This year's team is where it is because they haven't performed up to expectations. And so it's a very different kind of disappointment from last year, perhaps. I mean, they haven't performed expectations, but... Were those expectations fair, is I guess the question you're asking. Should we blame that on them or should we blame that on ourselves? Because we we put them at 40 games and maybe that was just because we thought that the roster was better than it is. Or, But on the other hand... DJ Augustine plays almost twenty minutes a game, twenty minutes every night. CJ Watson, when Evan Fournier is playing, is a is a crucial part. Jeff Green is a crucial part of the rotation. Yeah, which, uh, yeah. Uh, we're, everyone's counting the day. I mean, no offense to Jeff, he he's not a bad guy. Everyone's counting the day until they trade him. And who's going to uh, take him is the next question. But like that's kind of a thing. Like we're all like, oh, of course this team could maybe win forty games. They'll play really good defense. They have a defensive coach and. I guess we were wrong, but like, geez, we gotta we gotta have to go back on this. Like, let's go back to day one when. How did they kind of get to this point? You know. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think, and, and when you, I mean, I think you can look at it in a number of ways. You can look at this summer and the season in isolation, and you can look at the whole rebuild. And I think, you know, the Hennigan. I think everyone wants to talk about the whole. All I can see everyone talking about right now is the whole rebuild. That's everyone's all everyone's to talk rehashing about. the whole rebuild. Absolutely, and 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 you know, my only response to that is, well, a lot of what the Magic were trying to do was based on the draft, and they just never had the opportunity to draft that foundational piece. And so the question is, do you? be like the Sixers and kind of be okay losing for a long time, which, you know, if if you're for that, all, all power to you. I know a lot of people who are saying four years is too long and they, they would never have sat, sat through that. Or do you do what the Magic try and do and just make slow and steady progress with what you have and try and turn it into something down the road? And uh, I think what a lot of people suspect is that the pace of the rebuild was too slow for ownership. And so they directed Rob Hennigan to, to quicken the pace a little bit. And that's kind of what started driving the magic into the hole that they're in right or into the hole that it feels like they're in right now. Perhaps they'd get there anyway, because frankly, they just never had the opportunity to, to draft top end talent. Say what you want about, you know, passing on Devin Booker or Miles Turner and in, in, in last year's draft or missing out on Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, or Rudy Gobert in the Victor Oladipo draft, or I don't even know who he would have taken over Aaron Gordon, but at the time, with the information they had, those were all legitimate picks. I mean, I, I think even the Aaron Gordon pick surprised a lot of people. I mean, I think everyone had that pick pegged for Dante Exum. Uh, Mario, no one was, no one, the only, no one was saying that the Magic should draft Devin Booker over Mario Azonia. I don't think anyone would have said that on draft night. Well, even, no, Devin Booker was projected to go to like the Hornets at ten or nine, yeah. and even even and Devin Booker, I, I think he told Josh Robinson, the Orlando Sentinel, he jokingly pitched you know, the DeVos family to draft him. And even he thought that was a ridiculous notion. Well, so, right. I mean, it's, it's easy. He was getting it's projected easy. for mid lottery. Exactly. It's easy to go back and with 2020 say, Oh, the magic passed on this guy, but really they didn't. The information they had at the time, the information every NBA team had at the time was Oladipo. I mean, and I think Oladipo was the right choice at number two. I think Gordon was the right choice at four. And I think Kazonia was still the right choice at five, especially with what the magic needed shooting wise you take another non-shooter like Justice Winslow, and yeah, Justice Winslow is probably a better player in the long run, but they didn't need another guy like that. They already had Victor Oladipo to do a lot of the things Winslow de- did. The last thing they needed was another player that couldn't shoot. Yeah, seriously, another guard who couldn't shoot more, more so. And but kind of let's go back a little okay. to the draft. Well, first the drafting. They've never. They've always won the draft. It feels like every year they win the draft. But everyone says that they kind of sped up the rebuild. There's really only one year where they sped up the rebuild, and that was last year and this year, mm-hmm. or two years, that's sure. last year and this year. Sure. Because the first year of their, their rebuild, they won 20 games. Second year, they won 23. The next year, they won 25. Like, they didn't really speed anything along. They they stunk for three years, but that's a lot of stinking, so they... And, and, they, and, they, play, and they played that right. Like, they, they had three top five picks... And no star presented themselves. Realistically, what, there, there was no star for them to draft. I mean, they just they never won the lottery. I think, uh, I think, the Magic kept their draft, kept their draft. They never improved their draft position in any draft that they drafted in during those those three years. And one year they fell out of the top three. Yes, they they so the Victor Oladipo year. So the first year of the rebuild, they had the worst record in the league, and they drafted second. The next year, they have the third worst record in the league, which would have gotten them Joel Embiid, and they drafted fourth. They fell out of the top three, and then two years ago, they wouldn't have picked. Hang on, they would not. I don't think. I don't think they would have picked Embiid either because of the Grand Hill baggage. But 
Uh, that's neither her. Not just a great hill back. It's just everyone was passing on Embiid. The only team that was going to take Embiid was the Sixers sure, because sure, because they had the patience to do so. Right. They didn't care. Yeah. They were like, oh, cool, a whole year we can lose. Yeah, exactly. And it worked out. They, worked out. It worked out tried, well for them. Then they. Uh, then they took the guy that wasn't going to come over for two or three years. Yep. Another thing from the Magic. The Magic. <laughs> but but the only the only year that the Magic I drafted. Think we're, I, wait, hang on. I think we're coming on to something here with the Sixers. I think the Sixers have been the secret enemy of the Magic all along. Oh, of course. Oh, I, I literally so so Liberty Ballers uh, made a comment that you know there was a time when everyone was like, man, I wish we did the Magic's rebuild, and I tweeted back at him. Everyone here is saying, man, I, man, we wish we did the Sixers rebuild. And and he he said something back to me, and I tweeted back hashtag trust the process. Because <laughs> like trust, trust, trust the process. Hennigan, trust the process. Trust nothing. Trust nothing. Yeah, uh, I mean it, it. There is a lot of luck that plays into this. I mean, everyone likes to say. I mean, and everyone who says this to me, I say you can't think like this. But the the Knicks picked Kristaps Porzingis one pick before the Magic could. The Magic could, like they 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 and they were on his tail by all reports. The Magic were on Porzingis's tail for years um and and they were they were ready to draft him and they knew what they had in him and they, they missed out on him you know because of shrewd shrewd playing by Porzingis and just the sheer dumb luck of the lottery in a lot of ways uh and that's that's part of the game you gotta you gotta play that part of the game for sure uh, but I think the magic made the most of their draft picks what the question was okay when do you start putting those expectations of winning on your team, telling the fans we're going to win this year. The expectation is to win this year. Uh, and how you, do you go about building it to win those, to win those games? Well, like team said, that they, never re- they never really lost in the draft. No, and I don't think they did get, either. To get they, the lost the lottery. they lost the lottery, but and they didn't right. lose in the draft. And you were right about them. Uh, they, they really gotten really unlucky with the, with, what they could have done in the draft because they missed out on a lot of players they could have done better with. And there was never a situation where we feel like they didn't get a talented player. But it was always what they put around those talented players yep. that was kind of the problems. And that's where we kind of reach the crux of the argument when it comes to the Magic rebuild and where we get to the situation where we have a roster no one's really thrilled with is how do we get to this roster in the first place? Did they build it themselves or was the ownership build it? Did Hennigan build it? And I feel like it's obviously there's this, it's obviously a group effort on everyone's part. But I think a lot of the arguments come from whose fault really is this? Is it Rob Hennigan's fault or is it Alex Martin's fault? I think Alex Martin should have never gotten involved in any way ever, and he's a terrible, terrible part of the magic process and how often he does that. But really, we can't absolve Hennigan of blame considering the fact that his asset, his use of the assets he gathered has been horrendous in almost every way possible because he got nothing from Maurice Harkless. He traded Tobias Literally Harris nothing for cap room. He traded Tobias Harris for cap room, which he then used on Bismack Biombo, who a backup center, by the way. And then he traded Victor Oladipo for Sergei Ibaka, who looks like he's either going to get traded or leave. Yes, I mean, and I think, and I think, I think that's absolutely the, the 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 right point to make. I think that's absolutely where the Magic are at. I mean, you can break down Rob Hennigan's moves individually, but when you put them all when you put them all into a collective, you don't get something that that you don't get a, a picture. I mean, it, it's great that you have a puzzle piece here, a puzzle piece there, but it's not good when they're from different boxes. Uh, the, the, the puzzle pieces don't fit. And, you know, whether the pressure to win was the right decision from ownership or not, the, the general manager still has a responsibility to say, okay, 
my boss is telling me to do this. How do I do this and make it the most successful that I can? And I think it's very fair to say and blame Hennigan for with this summer to build a functioning roster that could get them into the playoffs. He did not do that. And so ultimately he is at fault. Well, I don't even know if I want to blame him for just this summer. Just Sure. I really feel like I don't like using the word blame because. Okay, that's fair. Blames a bad blames a really has very good, negative like, connotations. It's a very negative connotation for someone that I don't feel like it's not like he tried to make this team bad. Just no. kind of happened. I, I mean, like, and I I described what the Magic did this summer as a bet. They were betting that defense would carry them into the playoffs. I thought it was a very short sighted goal, but if that was their goal, they made the correct bet to 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 get there. And but I feel like issue... we're so focused on this summer, we're kind of like we're okay. We're mistaking the forest for for the trees here. With, sure. Sure. Like this entire process, which there have been a lot of mistakes in this entire process. Like I said about getting um, talent, or getting good players around the talent they acquire. Like for example, one of my favorite games I like to play right now uh, with my dad when I watch Magic games is, um, oh, look at all the players that used to be on the Magic in the Hennigan era, on all these other teams and playing and playing well at that. And just it feels like they've always had a bunch of players on the roster. It's like, oh, look at all this talent they have, and they never knew how to use it. They never knew how to build with it, and they never knew how to acquire players to work with it like they never they always seem so focused on their core and having this good talented core that they never really built around that in any way they just always had pieces and things and stuff and it never felt like they, they were never they building. never built they never built an actual team right and that's honestly why part of that's partly why this team is actually one of the best teams they've ever had because while it's not working out very well there's an actual team here they're big and athletic. Like that's the build of the team. It's not working, but that's so, at least so. Okay, so then, so then it's an actual plan of some kind. Sure, sure, absolutely. It's an actual team. I mean, I and I agree completely. I think the problem with with the first few years of the rebuild, or at least year two through four, is they were never building towards an identity. Yeah, time. they were just collecting assets. And, and there does come a time where you have to say, "We're done collecting assets. We're now trying to build a team that's trying to win." And that's perfectly understandable and acceptable. You you want that, uh, but. Um, they're, they, and I agree completely. They never really left that mode. They kept collecting assets and not spinning they it forward. They kept waiting for something into, to appear instead exactly. of build it, instead of force like not forcing, not forcing it, it, but, like, it, but yeah. making it happen. Sure, sure. And and I think you know Channing Fry was a, a a little bit of a miscalculation. I thought they could just kind of plug him in and he would spread the floor and make everything good for them, and that never really happened. Uh, they oh you know, another asset that they never they, they never had any of their young players really take the big leap. Another asset they just they they shoved off absolutely, and, and Cleveland's still happy about that. They'll, they'll sure. send Rob Hennigan a ring. I, I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, I still get people telling me, "So what did the Magic get Channing Fry for?" And I'm just like, the Magic probably feel like they didn't lose anything because he wasn't working here. I mean, in the same way that you know, with the Serge Ibaka deal, I think I think this is you're absolutely right on the Serge Ibaka deal. They did not manage their assets correctly. They only looked at it as far as how they valued it, rather than how other teams might value what they're giving up. Um, the Serge Ibaka deal, they, they were trading Victor Oladipo for Serge Ibaka, essentially. They probably said to themselves, we're letting Ersan Oyasova, we're cutting Ersan Oyasova anyway, so that's no loss to us. It helps, no, I'm, not, to wait, I'm not going to defend, I'm not going to harp on them getting rid of Ilya Sova. He is bad. No, he's bad. And it was, and, <laughs> and they probably, I mean, if the deal were just Oladipo and Ilyasova for Ibaka, everyone's probably saying, okay, the magic. Are you, you know, talking about the first round pick? The first, yeah, it's Demontis Sabonis. 
the ma- the Magic probably went into that draft thinking, and I and I thought this for much of the season. They weren't. Gonna, we don't need. Never. We don't need another rookie. We don't want another rookie. We're trading that. We're we're gonna tra- we're end up trading this pick, and so to them it almost felt like they didn't feel like they were losing anything, so to speak. Honestly, that was one of the things I wouldn't criticize them for because I kind of okay. agree really? with that. Like, if you're a team that wants to win, you have no need for this. And who says they were gonna take Sabonis anyways? When sure, that's you- also fair. They, Although they, they said were they were, draft, they probably would have gone for the nearest three-point shooter. There's no way they would have taken another big man. I mean, Sabonis might have been the only three, the best three-point shooter available at that that point, but possibly. But I don't know. No, that no, I, 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 I agree with you there. Um, I, I, I do agree with you there. Um, it, but it's like it's still it's in the same vein as Maurice Harkless. It's in the same vein as also he's shooting thirty-four percent from three this season. So let's not okay, pretend he's yeah. all of a sudden like yeah. I mean, I'm not. I wasn't super high on Sabonis either. Like, I didn't think. He, I mean, I, I thought. I think he'll be a good player, but not a a, a big, a great player, um, by any means. Um, but um, it, it's just like that. Miss. I think. I mean, perhaps what I'm trying to get at, and I mean, you may disagree with the example I'm using, but it's the mismanagement of that asset. It's it's okay, even if you're not planning on using Sabonis now, or or you don't really need the rookie. It's still a high value lottery draft pick that can get and... you something. I mean, that, I'm, that's, where, that's, where that's, that's just the example I'm using. That's just the example I'm using. I mean, Maurice Harkless is the exact same way. Maurice Harkless, you weren't playing him a lot, so maybe you tanked his value anyway, but certainly you could get more. It's the Tobias Harris, you're trying to clear cap. Why not ask for a first-round pick? I mean, maybe they didn't, and they didn't get it. Why Why settle for the package you got? For... That, that's just cap room in a summer that everybody has cap space. That's That's the thing that doesn't make sense. Which you then turned around and used on a backup center. Essentially, yeah. And then you used the free cap space that you got from the from the cap spike on Jeff Green. And that might have been a, more of a product of no one else was signing with the team. They wanted a veteran like that. It's a one-year deal. It doesn't Jeff, hurt them at all. Jeff Green was just roster filler. And the only exactly. reason he's playing is because Mario Hazonia isn't any good. Yes. Well, hasn't been any good. He hasn't might been be good, good later, year. but... Yeah. He hasn't developed the way the Magic had hoped. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the 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 mismanagement of assets has really hurt this team as far as being able to take that next step and building an actual functioning team that fits together and complements uh, what the Magic are trying to do. And I think one of the issues with that is the Magic never really established who their core is, if that makes sense. Well, that's what's funny because I just said they, never like, built they were a, so they never focused built. on their core. Exactly. They're so focused on their core, but they never built around it. They never complemented the players that they thought were their building block pieces. And some of it is perhaps they didn't know who their building block pieces were yet because they never struck gold in the lottery and got that surefire all-star. I mean, they never... That's one thing, they, that's one thing I did like about... If we're going to talk about this summer again, that's one thing I actually did kind of like about this summer is... They made a decision who they were going to build around. They decided on Alfred Payton and Aaron Gordon. They didn't know if it was going to work. That's who they chose. They traded away. They traded away Oladipo. Vucevic. Vucevic. I don't see how he's going to last much longer, considering the contract they yeah, gave him. Yeah, it's just the contract. Beyond those contract, I mean, maybe they keep him because uh, Ibaka might be leaving. But like, but obviously, they made now. they made their choice. Yes, they made they made their choice. For it's Fournier, Gordon, and. Uh, and Peyton, which at least they made a choice. It just might be too little, too late. Sure. And I mean, and, and you know, it's the hardest thing to do with this team right now is figure out what their future looks like. 
because um, I, I think the I, I wrote this on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. The deals that they make in February are going to determine the next two to three years of this franchise, what direction they go. Are they going to double down with veterans and try and just sneak into the playoffs and be okay, you know, getting ousted in the first round every year, um, if that? Or are they going to reinvest in their youth and kind of reset their their building plan a little bit, maybe with a new GM, maybe with a new new ideas coming in, but trying to reset what they were trying to do from the beginning and just, you know, cast this year off as, as a— uh, as a blip on the radar and, and see if they can get back to, to building positively the way they were before. And this some, I mean, what they do with Ibaka, what they do with Vucevic, um, anything else that they do is going to be really key to that goal and, and what they eventually, what they eventually become in the next two, three seasons. What do you think? What do you think the magic should, what direction do you think the magic should go from here now? From here? <laughs> I mean, that's it's the tough. miracle question it's, it's, that everyone. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I don't think it's an easy answer for this team. So it's also limited by what they can get on on the trade market. I mean, from here, there's really no. Honestly, <laughs> you're asking a question. That I'm not sure even Rob Hennigan knows the answer to. Really, from here, they just kind of have to build around the core that I just mentioned, and hope it works. Because I just don't like everyone's available for a trade. You just have to trade and build around those things and, and throw stuff at a wall until something works. But really, I think they've run out of time. I don't think this regime's going to be around much longer. No, I don't think so either. And, and and I think the greatest fear is that this regime's going to do something, do a move to try and save their job when it's already gone and, and to make things worse for the next guy. I'm just kind of looking right now at like how they kind of reach this point, really. Because like I'm mm-hmm. looking at previous seasons... And looking at players they had on the roster and like decisions they made and like I'm trying to see where it all kind of went wrong. Yeah. Did you say it was the Skiles hire? Because that was one of the weirder things. Because the Skiles hire is one of the weirder things because you know a lot I, of people blame that on ownership, but I've also heard from people that he might have been the only coach that was worth that was worth a damn that wanted that job. I I think I, I think that he was probably one of the better coaches available on the market. If you look at who else that they interviewed, it was Mike or else who else they were looking at. It was like Mike Woodson, uh, Mark Jackson. Uh, you know, it was a lot of also ran coaches and Jackson's Mark Jackson, but he also has his issues. And I, I, I don't think that was something the magic wanted. Uh, certainly Rob Hennigan was going to put him, put his foot into um, either. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni wasn't going to come. Mike D'Antoni uh, wouldn't have been a good fit. Alvin, Gen- Alvin Gentry didn't want to come. Uh, I mean, Scott Skiles had a track record with these kinds of teams and doing well. And for two months, he did really, really well. I mean, I, 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 I think I'm in the minority here that thought Scott Skiles did a good job as the Magic's head coach. He did an okay job. <laughs> I, I mean, he, my, my thing, my thing was if they were he 19, lost control, he lost control of the team. Which, but 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 to me, really, that might be roster construction too. Because, exactly. Yeah, every freaking year this happens. And and I think that was. I mean, they were nineteen and thirteen after go after winning less than thirty games every single year, winning no more than twenty five games. So they were nineteen and thirteen at the midpoint of the season. Essentially, they hit that two and twelve January and just folded. If you're a te- like if every... you're a te- if you're a team that has not won anything 
Literally, they had won nothing. And you're tuning out a coach after he gets you to 19 and 13? That says more about you as a player and as a team than it does about the coach. And that's kind of where I stood. It's like, yeah, Scott Skiles is not the perfect coach by any means. He's a bridge until the next, until the guy that's supposed to get us there. But he did his job, and the players didn't do theirs. And that was also the year where they made that the awful Tobias Harris trade, yes. which to try a lot of people save blame, a lot of people blame that on Skiles. I don't, I don't really, blame that on Skiles. Skiles, Skiles deal was Alfred Payton, according to reports. Yeah, that that I, I don't blame the Tobias trade on on. Scott Skiles at all. I don't think he I don't think he had any issue with it. I think he gladly was like, okay, sure, but I don't think he was out there saying we need to trade him. Yeah. Especially uh, considering I'm pretty sure he was like one of the highest minutes player minutes played players on the team. And I thought I mean, Tobias Harris was really good for that team last year. He was fine. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was I was I was never I was not a big Tobias Harris guy, and I thought last year was his best year in a magic uniform. And then he, he was played pretty well in Detroit when he went there, so yeah. Yeah, and that's a team that actually has a philosophy and a, you know, that's a team that's well constructed too. I mean, that's, well, I, mean, I wouldn't go that far. They're not playing well. Not <laughs> not this year, but last year they were. <laughs> um, it's amazing how quickly that that turns too. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's tough to say when this this all went wrong, but I think you hit on something that we were talking about before we started recording here about how this team responds to adversity. And I think that's really the key to all of this is, yeah, the Magic stayed at 500 in December this year, but they were ne- they've were they never been able to string together wins, and now it feels like the wheels are falling off. They had a really bad loss to the Lakers. They had a really bad loss to the Nuggets on, on Monday now. They are coming off this road trip looking at trying to salvage a 2-4 and four road trip out to the West Coast and trying to stay in a playoff race, and the schedule's only going to get tougher how do they reel this back in? What confidence is there that they're going to reel this back in? And that's the big flaw in this team is it just doesn't seem like they they fight back. Like they 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 don't. It gets I, hard and they quit. Yeah, it, I mean it, it it's it's that simple. Or or they get discouraged and it all the house of cards collapses. I mean they'll play really good defense if their offense is playing well, but when their offense goes away, you you see you like I mean there's a play. I think against the Blazers, there, there, there's been plenty of these plays where they a player drives into the lane, gets thinks he gets fouled, he complains, the guy next to him complains, and the other team's going down the court on a fast break. Like that cannot happen if you're a defensive team. Oh, I think I know the play you were talking about. The one was, uh, or was that the Utah game? Vooch did that just recently. Yeah, Vooch did. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a Vooch play. But I, I know Serge has either, done it. It might have been Portland. It might have been Portland. I know the exact play you were talking about where he was yeah. complaining about the play and then they just round. No, that was the Clippers game. What was the Clippers game? It wasn't Vooch. It was the Clippers game, though. Um, I, Vooch it's, might have done the same thing, actually. It's happened, it's happened a JJ lot. Redick, just J.J. Redick went out on a breakout and then hit an open three-pointer. Yeah. Yeah. Is that play. And was it DJ Augustine that was complaining? It was DJ Augustine. Yeah, he was complaining about I think DJ was the, complaining and I think Vooch even turned and complained. So they were complaining about a call instead of running back on defense. Yeah, which everyone does, but just with this team, it just shines on through. Yeah, and it's just it's it's just a lot of there's a lot of frustration because I think I mean just to circle it all the way back around. This is a season that that started off with big expectations, 
with big promises and they're not delivering. And I think everyone is just very restless because when you talk big, you better back it up or else there's going to be, there's going to be trouble. And the magic talked very big. They were very optimistic. And, and, you know, even Frank Vogel said, I believe this can be a top 10 defense in the league. And when you look at their talent, you're like, absolutely. They should be a top 10 defense with that rim protection. They and were it, initially. And it turns out, I mean, it turns out Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo can't play together. I mean, that, I mean, that's maybe not something you can predict necessarily, but. Okay, no, that is something you can predict. That is something <laughs> you can predict. I I was saying in the offseason that this front. But no, 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 they, they, can't, can't, they, can't, they can't play together defensively. That's what no one could predict. They're bad. They're, they're bad defensively together. I will say that there was a really big concern with Ibaka that when they got him, that they weren't going to uh, fix, that he wasn't going to fix his defense. Because he wasn't very good in the, um, in, uh, in Oklahoma City his last couple of years. After the injury he had, yeah, his defense I mean, has fallen he's off been, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not that his defense was bad. It wasn't elite anymore, perhaps. He's still a good defender, and, and he's been about as good as he was last year defensively over, overall. I mean, but certainly, he's not, certainly. he can't make an entire defense good anymore. Yes, that is true. Like, he used to be an—he can't be a defensive anchor like he used to be. Absolutely. I mean, it's—this it, team—you can—I mean, I, I hope the listeners can, can sense just— how confusing they are. How confusing, how frustrating, how disappointing, and how just I, I can't even, I can't even describe I can't even describe it. Like Remember Luke Ridnauer, Willie Green, and Ben Gordon were all on the roster at the same yeah. time. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I remember the Ben Gordon preseason revenge tour. That was great. I miss the Ben Gordon preseason revenge tour. Uh, Will, we get, the Willie Green year was the most frustrating yeah. I've ever been in my life. Yeah. He, he was playing over Mo Harkless. <laughs> yeah. At least like at least when Jeff Green plays over Mario Hazonia, he's playing he's actively playing over a player he's better than. Yes. Like and, and, and like Maurice Harkless was actively better than Willie Green and still not playing. And Willie Green was playing small forward when he's a shooting guard. On top of all that. Oh my gosh, that yeah. year. That year was just that, that year was that year. That year. That year was when things were was when progress. You know, yeah, let's I want I would mark the 25-win season when they didn't make the jump everyone kind of thought they were going to make, like, as the year everyone went, uh-oh, yeah, because this I, like, might not work. Like, I had that pegged as the 35-win year, 35 win year, and then the next year they, they pushed I had the about, playoffs. like, 28 or 30. I think, I, think just... I, I think when the roster came together, that was I had them at 32. Um, like, 28 to 32 wins is, I think, where I put them when the roster came together, but... Overall, like as far as like the progression of how a rebuilding team should should likely progress, that was the year I was like, okay, this is the year they need to like get to thirty plus wins and just kind of hang around but fade away at the end. They had to and, look. They just had to look like something, and they didn't yeah. look like any. They looked like the same team they looked the year before. Exactly. Like, and I think just, they were, and they were lucky to get to twenty five wins that year. They were probably worse than the year before that year that season. That was a bad year. That was bad. That was the year they fired Vaughn, right? Yes, that was the year they fired Vaughn. Oh, that was the year. Another thing we could have gone over. Dwayne Dedman. Um, the meddlesome ownership and not just like roster construction, but just in PR. And doing things like announcing he's going to fire a coach three weeks ahead of time. Yeah. 
or leaking that he's going to fire a coach three weeks ahead of time and then letting him squirm in publicly before actually firing him. Yeah, that was that was not handled well at all. And we all like literally saw it happening as it happened. Just yeah, it's, this this franchise is a mess. Um, I, let's 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 close it out here. As I think most of us are agreed that if the Magic miss the playoffs, which it looks like they're going to, the Magic are going to fire Rob Hennigan. What does a new GM have to have to do to to, to fix this mess culturally? Even burn everything down. You're 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 in, you're in the burn everything down camp. They have. What camp is there to be in? That's you know honestly, like, I think that's fair. <laughs> they're gonna lose Ibaka. They're gonna have Biombo, Fournier, Peyton, and Gordon on fresh contracts. So they're I all. I mean, eventually they're gonna have to pay those guys too. They're all gonna be around for a while longer. So you just. I mean, I, I guess the way the roster is built right now, like they, Ibaka's probably gonna leave. Warnie's on a brand new contract. Biombo's on a brand new contract, so they're around for the long haul. You can't let Aaron Gordon go. Alfred Payton, unless they can find a better option, he's probably going to be around. And he's actually been pretty good this well, not pretty good. He's actually looked okay this year. He's looked better. He's he's been he's been getting more consistent. So I mean, I think he's one. He's definitely one of the bright spots on the team right so now. So besides players, you have to keep because of either because of either contract or youth. Like just burn everything down. Collect assets on Mario Hazonia. Trade everything. Just that's the only option they have. I mean, I think point. I think they gotta turn younger. Um, I think they should. I, I guess I I my preference right now is to cut a middle road. Almost is to kind of skip the tanking rebuild phase of a rebuild and go straight to the we've got young talent that just needs to step up phase of a rebuild. And so I would be targeting with, with Serge Ibaka, for instance, I'd be targeting guys that are either at the end of their rookie contract or on their second contract already that you can fit into whatever you have now. Like, I, I think I think if the Magic got Terrence Ross out of Toronto for Serge Ibaka, um, obviously other pieces involved, I don't think that would be a bad thing. I'm not a huge Terrence Ross guy, but that's the kind of contract that I'm looking for right now if I'm the Magic, especially because you got to make contracts match with Ibaka because you're over the cap. I guess they could... I guess you're right in that they could um, try to... If they're not going to go... F- and then, of course, you get, you get some lottery luck. Down. I mean, knowing, knowing the Magic's lottery luck, they're going to they're gonna win the lottery this year. <laughs> if they're not going to go full every, burn everything down, they could do what they did... Um, because the Dwight Howard years weren't very good for a while either. Yeah, the first the first few Dwight Howard years were very bad. Were very were very mediocre. rough. And then yeah. they went to new they went to a new general manager and a new coaching staff. And and then a just, happy and then a happy accident occurred with t- Tony Batie getting hurt, and they became juggernauts. Right. So there's it literally can flip at any moment towards a positive. And when you have a young guy like Aaron Gordon and a young guy that a potentially good young guy like Alfred Payton, like. There is hope. Just you need to you need to build around it. You need a plan, and you need to stick with it. I think I think that's honestly I think that's the lesson of all of this. Um, you 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 need right. you need you a have plan. Have an idea of the team you want. Like they had an idea of the team they wanted, and when it's in, and when the players that they wanted to fit that process didn't come quite fit, they tried to force it. Yes. To and, a very bad degree. Yeah, and that's that's not what you can do. That's not what you, you have. That's not what you can do. Like, I mean, I, 
I mean, I, I think you got to let things kind of grow as they will. Find complementary pieces uh, to the guys that you want to feature, and just be be patient. Like, I mean, if if things go if things start going south, then you make adjustments. But if uh, you are on the right path, if you're you know if you're you're generally making progress, you you stick with you stick with your plan and find and you know be opportunistic when the time comes. Right. I feel like we've. Uh... I think we've exhausted. Uh, yeah. yeah, we've exhausted, and this, this, we did what we did what we wanted. We talked about the we did whatever we decided to join in on the conversation of what the hell happened to the magic, and sure. I feel like we succeeded. I, I, is... I hope I hope there is some clarity because this team has the least amount of clarity. I am so team. excited in three or four years from now when the tell all books when the tell all sources come out. <laughs> this yeah, is gonna that'll be... be that'll be interesting. I don't know if it'll be Rob Hennigan's Rob Hennigan's what thirty two thirty three. Dude, he's gonna. He's got. Like, he's got a long career. Uh, uh, say what you want about the. Say, I'm sure gonna there's gonna be something. some leaking. Say what you want about the, and it's probably gonna come from. from you know, I'm not. I'm not gonna say who I think it's gonna come from. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to. I'll talk <laughs> to. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. I'll talk, exactly I'll talk, talk to you, you after. Really? I'll talk to you when we get off the air. Who I think. Who I think is gonna gonna be the leak. But Rob Hennigan's got a long career in the NBA still to come. Uh, I I don't think. I mean, I I think you know he's going to catch on as an assistant GM again somewhere. Uh, and maybe that's where he's best at. I mean, like, like NBA players, well, he'll get another GM job. I think yeah. he's just, le- he's learned lessons from this. Absolutely. And, and honestly, like, and, and this, I mean, I, I think I'm an, I think I'm a Hennigan apologist. I don't care, but um, I'm not, but I, I think, I think <laughs> one of the issues with Rob Hennigan and this might, I don't know if this is true or not is he was too young for this job because he didn't have the connections within the league to get deals done necessarily. Like, um, I think, I, I think, I think there's a networking aspect that we don't always think about with GMs. Yes. But I don't think that really justifies no, no. trades. No, it, it, do, like, it doesn't, but it might have like, gotten, I'm not saying, he didn't have, he didn't have connections that made trades easier. Yeah, exactly. That's, like, that's what I mean. There like, are certain things you have to do. Like sometimes you have to take on a, sometimes you got to take on, a bad contract that someone else doesn't want, want, and then they do you a favor later. Like exactly. I think Portland still owes Orlando a favor for taking Maurice Harkless for absolutely nothing. They took Shabazz Napier. Right. So there you go. Like they did. <laughs> they took a. They took a contract. Orlando didn't want it. Like that's the kind of stuff that happens. Yes. And, it's, and, and that's exactly I, what I mean. It's those little those little the- deals, those little discussions that that happen. That you know get paid back in the that get that get paid back in some way. At, you know toward the end. Um, but that the, still doesn't justify. No, it doesn't just. It doesn't absolve anything. Uh, it, it doesn't, doesn't justify signing Biombo to a massive sure. contract, and and, and it yeah. being his primary target that summer. Well, they were at. They were at his no, door. Being the, tar- being the settle, being the target he settled for. No, they, realized, they were. They oh, were. They were. All the other players want to go elsewhere. Yeah, because the Magic weren't ready for free agents yet. And I said that I said that when they made the Tobias. I mean, I was saying that when they made the Tobias Harris deal. I thought this is a bad deal because they're not ready to sign free agents. What free agent wants to come here yet? Come here right now. And what really stunk is you knew they weren't going to trade. They weren't going to use it to trade for cap. I mean, technically they did when they traded for Ibaka, but that wasn't why they got the cap. Ugh. Yeah, it's, just, we're we're going down the same. We're repeating. We're, ourselves yeah, we're, we're 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 rehashing things we just spent the last hour talking about, uh, Chris. Um, thank you as always for coming on. I know, I know you, you love talking about the magic, but you cover a lot of different 
different teams and sports and well, mostly basketball, but you cover the Hornets throughout the hive. Of course, uh, where, where can people find you and uh, contact you to, to, to yell angrily at you? They can contact me on Twitter at Zach Oliver, at <laughs> Oliver NBA. If you want to yell at me, just send all the angry tweets that way. <laughs> Zach is going to be very confused when people call him Chris in the morning. Um, Chris, uh, thank you once again for, uh, for, for coming on the podcast. Uh, I hope we hash some things out for, for the listeners. It's, you know, we, we struggle with these issues just like everyone else does, but, uh, eventually things will, will work themselves out and we'll, we'll, we'll be there for the ride as always. Uh, I guess that'll do it for this and, uh, I'll probably record a close later tonight. So I'm going to hit stop. <laughs> Great close out. <laughs> That's what the Magic are known for is their closeouts. Of course. And I want to thank Chris Barnwell once again for joining us on the podcast. I do appreciate him coming on. Hope you, uh, I mean, I hope you can kind of sense the the difficulties that that even we have discussing where this Magic team is going, uh, how they got to this point, and, and exactly what they're trying to do. It's 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 it, it confounds the national media. It confounds the local media, uh, and we'll see what direction the Magic go. Uh, I said this was going to be a closeout, but uh, of course this is this is an imperfect closeout because we are a magic podcast and we don't close out so great all the time. Uh, I'm going to jump right in now to the radio segment I did on Sports Talk Florida 1080 in Orlando. I believe they're also up in Gainesville. You can check them out at sportstalkflorida.com. I joined Tuck and O'Neill to discuss the magic before Monday's game. We talked a little bit about the trade deadline coming up uh, and exactly what's going on with the magic, what's gone wrong with them and and what their future holds as well. We welcome our friend Philip Rossman Reich. He covers the magic for OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Philip, how are you? I'm doing good. How are, I hope you're having a very happy MLK day. Today. Absolutely. Enjoying uh, doing a little talk this afternoon and looking ahead to the magic playing uh, this afternoon. Uh, what uh, effect has uh, Evan Fournier being out of the magic had on Orlando and noting he'll be out again today? Yeah, I think the, the biggest effect that, that we saw from Saturday's game, at least, was just how much it really gutted the bench a little bit. Um, the, Saturday was the first time that Fournier had missed a game since the Magic reinserted Nikola Vucevic and Alfred Payton back into the lineup. And we saw both times at the start of the second and fourth quarters when Jody Meeks would typically be in and Evan Fournier would be out, that the Magic bench really, really struggled. They had a 13-point lead after the first quarter, and within about two and a half minutes, it was completely gone. The Jazz had completely erased that lead. And so not having, not having Meeks there who's a scorer can, can help spread the floor uh, and, and kind of shuffling up the rotation, the Magic are still figuring out a lot of things. Uh, and Frank Vogel going to kind of a straight first-unit, second-unit lineup really hurt the team and, and really you know, made that game a lot closer than maybe it would have been had they been able to, to keep Evan Fournier in there or even keep Jody Meeks in there. Was Serge Ibaka forced out of action for a game? Magic played some small ball with Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green manning the forward positions, really interchangeable who uh, plays who. Uh, But we've also seen some more small ball lineups with Ibaka uh, playing some backup center. Bismack Biombo has been playing a little bit less, and Nick Vucevic back starting. What have those results yielded? Uh, The starting unit's been uh, on a tear um, since really since they made since they made those changes. Um, they, they first made the changes Wednesday, but Ibaka didn't play. But the start of the Portland game on Friday and the start of the Utah game on Saturday were probably some of the best overall basketball the Magic have played in some time. And to see that carry over from one game to the next, both games starting off really, really well uh, and really, really fast, 
were good signs for a Magic team that's been searching for consistency. Obviously, perhaps the results aren't where they want them to be. I mean, you're one, you're one and one, and then certainly the Magic lost a, a, a decent lead late in the game on Saturday. Uh, but the Magic got out to good starts. They they built themselves a little bit of a cushion and a little bit of lead, and that gave them perhaps some some opportunity to experiment a little bit or, or to play a little bit looser and help them close the game out at close the game out at least Friday night at the end. Philip Rossman Reich, our guest, covers the Magic for the website OrlandoMagicDaily.com. For those who don't follow uh, every moment of Magic basketball, what's the status of Evan Fournier with his injured foot? Um, it, it, it appears that, that Evan Fournier was playing hurt when he initially came back from the foot injury at the end of, Dece- at the end of December and early January. Um, I think he told Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel that he was really playing at about 60% health and was overcompensating and ended up hurting it a little bit worse. And it was clear if you watched him play since he came back from that injury that he wasn't exactly right. He was missing a lot of shots. He wasn't as engaged or as involved. He seemed like he was forcing a lot of things, and it looked forced, too. And so... Uh, Fournier just wasn't quite healthy. The Magic thought they thought he was. He thought he was. He thought he could give it a go, and, and he just couldn't. And so I think the plan now is to, to sit him down, let it heal. It's, foot injuries can be very, very fickle. Um, you, you can't really put a timeline on it, and so it appears he's going to be day-to-day for the foreseeable future, and so he obviously won't play today. I wouldn't expect him to play Wednesday in New Orleans either. With with respect to your uh, commitment to OrlandoMagicDaily.com and your writings covering the Magic, are you comfortable with some of the recent decisions by Frank Vogel as it pertains to the roster? Uh, I, I actually am. I, I think uh, I've actually been calling for the Magic to go back to, to their original opening night starting lineup for, for a few weeks now. Um, in, in the few times that they played since the original lineup change, it seemed like they had calmed down a lot more. They had a good balance of offense and defense. Uh, Nikola Vucevic has made a pretty big step forward defensively, uh, and he pairs better defensively with Serge Ibaka than Bismack Biombo does. Amazingly, I think the, the, the Ibaka-Biombo combination, when they're on the floor together, they give up more than 110 points per 100 possessions, which is very, very bad. Um, and so I, I've actually been calling for a little bit of these lineup changes. I, I'd like to see Vogel continue to experiment a little bit with his rotations, um, especially after Saturday's game. It, it's pretty clear that he needs to stagger minutes and make sure there's a starter on the floor, whether it's Serge Ibaka, whether it's you know maybe Alfred Payton, whether it's uh, Nikola Vucevic, someone needs to be on the floor um, from that starting group with the second unit to start the second and fourth quarters um, just to keep things stable. Though the one, the one problem with this lineup change is that they lost a lot of the balance they had in their rotation where Peyton and Vucevic could come in and, and they dominate second units. Now they've lost a lot of that, and I think that's, that's something that Vogel needs to adjust as, as he heads into today, today's game. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, Aaron Gordon's numbers have shot up. Uh, what are the reasons behind that? Uh, you know, it, 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 I'm sure it's a, a whole host of reasons, but I think there are, there are two to really focus on. Uh, one, I think, you know, 41 games into the season, he's really getting more comfortable with what he needs to do at the small forward position. Um, I think there was still a learning curve that he needed to learn. I think even Vogel had a little bit of a learning curve on what to expect from him. And now we're seeing Gordon very, very comfortable in that position. He knows what shots he should take. He knows to attack quickly. And if he doesn't attack quickly to move the ball um, defensively, he's, been extremely good at that position as well. The other side of that too, and, and I think Aaron mentioned this before they left on the road trip um, after Friday's game against the Rock against uh, against the Rockets last Friday. He said that he finally feels 100% healthy. If you remember back in September and October, he missed about a month of preseason 
with uh, with an ankle injury um, and really really struggled uh, and and you know missed essentially all of training camp and really kind of put a halt to a lot of his development. And so I think now we're beginning to see that get to begin to catch up. And I think him being fully healthy uh, allows him to do a lot of the things that that he worked on this summer and and is beginning to you know come to the forefront. Uh, the word patience can be applied in a variety of ways, and certainly at times it, it should not be used. But uh, are, are we impatient with Alfred Payton? Uh, where do you sit with him and his development where uh, it's, it's obviously an inconsistent season he's put together, but he's had some certainly some spectacular efforts as well? I, I mean, I think a little bit of impatience is, is certainly certainly warranted, and I think this goes really for the entire team, um, you know, Yes, Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton have been in the league for the same time. For the same time, but Payton came in with a little bit more seasoning, having played two, three years, I think, at, at Louisiana Lafayette. He quickly became a starter his rookie year. It's been, you know, this is essentially his third year as a starting player in the NBA. And so, I think uh, there is a certain amount of, you know, why can't he do this every night? Why can't he figure this out every night? Because even last year when he struggled, it was very clear that the Magic were a better team when Alfred Payton was playing really well. And when he was playing really well, they looked like a playoff team. Even this year, you can say the same thing. When Alfred Payton is playing really well, the Magic are a very tough team to beat. And so the question then is, why can't he do it every single night? We know that he has it in him, and he's beginning to show a little bit more consistency, especially on the offensive end, um, especially as he gets more confident with his jumper, which I do think has, you know, despite what percentages might say, he may not still be a great shooter, but he is a lot more confident, a lot more comfortable shooting it at this at this point and so i think that his development is still coming i still have to have faith in him but the magic are also under a lot of pressure to to win now and peyton does have some limitations that they need to work that they need to work through and if they i mean if, if they feel like there's a way for them to get better they probably need to explore it with with any player on this roster our guest is philip rossman reich he covers the orlando magic for the website OrlandoMagicDaily.com. The Magic have two games remaining on their West Coast swing. And that's this afternoon at 5 o'clock in Denver on this Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday day. And on Wednesday, they'll play at New Orleans before coming home. Their next home game is Friday night against Milwaukee. Golden State's only trip here will be a 12 noon tip in Orlando uh, this next Sunday. Uh, the trading deadline comes up in February. You have already proposed some things. Uh, what are your hopes for the Magic? What are your suggestions as it pertains to this roster and trading deadline? Uh, I think the I think the first thing that the Magic need to consider it in any deal is first, does this make our team better? I I I, I know that there are a lot of fans who believe that this team should still push in for the playoffs, and they're not out of the playoffs by by any means. But I think. The Magic can't lose focus on the long term by focusing too much on the short term. I think that's, frankly, how they made one of their big mistakes last year when they when they traded Tobias Harris uh, in, and brought in veterans and Brandon Jennings and Ersan Yasova to, you know, quote-unquote, make a playoff run. It, it felt like it was too far gone at that point. What I think the Magic need to do is they need to reinvest a little bit more in their youth. They need to find players that better complement Aaron Gordon, Alfred Payton, you know, maybe even, you know, and Nikola Vujovic probably a guy that they have to at least look at trading as, as a Serge Ibaka, but they need to find players that they need to kind of pick a core group of players and find players that complement them and make the team better in, in the short term, but also give them fle- continued flexibility in the long term. What, what I don't want to see happen is the Magic bring in a player that's got three, four years left on his deal that's going to be very hard to move, that's going to underperform, 
and leave the team fighting for playoff scraps, essentially, with very little ceiling to get much further above that. And, and I think that's the big concern. I mean, players that I kind of, kind of said Magic need to avoid as a guy like Brandon Knight, who's really struggled in Phoenix, uh, that's reportedly on the trade market and can play some point guard. Gordon Dragic would certainly improve the team immediately, but he's on a very long-term deal. If you're signing him and keeping Serge Ibaka, that's kind of your team now. And is that enough to, to A, make the playoffs every year and really compete and do much more than getting into the playoffs? I think that's a big question. And so I think the Magic need to kind of refocus on a plan and refocus on an identity that they want to build uh, and make sure that they hold true to that, even if there's not the immediate results of making the playoffs this year or even guaranteeing a playoff spot next year. What uh, you mentioned, guys, that you wouldn't be in favor of targeting. Is there anybody out there that you think would be a good target for the Magic? Um, I think there. I think there are there are certainly a few players, and, and I, you know, I tend to, you know, and, and I hate doing this. I tend to hesitate on naming specific names at this point because it still feels like it's very, very early. I know there's still there's only thirty days. There's still only about thirty days a month until the trade deadline comes. But teams are still figuring out who they are and figuring out their needs. Um, I do think that the Magic probably need to find uh, 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 like true power forward or, or someone that can kind of play stretch forward next to Aaron Gordon so that you can keep Gordon on the perimeter and maybe experiment a little bit more with him uh, playing some power forward on offense where he's probably a little bit more comfortable and can use his athleticism a little bit better. Um, and actually, uh, two guys that I've really thought the Magic should target are going to be in today's game against the Denver Nuggets, I think. Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler would be one of those two would be really good addition to the team. They're on reasonable contracts. They've proven that they can produce their veteran players. They, they can fill a role and fit into this team while still, you know, but while still, you know, fitting, while still complementing a lot of the players on the roster already and, and not taking away too many minutes from guys that the magic want to and need to be playing. To circle back around with the, the changes to the rotation, uh, Two players specifically, uh, Bismack Biombo, big deal in the offseason. Um, what does this mean for him moving forward? Is this just a blip on the radar that potentially he's taking a step back right now because of the roster and, and trying to win? And, and Mario Hazonia on reentering the rotation, but doing so on a limited basis. Uh, where do you think they're at with him? And, and should he even be up with the big club? Should he be getting more seasoning in the D-League? I mean, I think, I think at this point, if you can get playing time for Mario Hazonia in the NBA, that's going to be more valuable to him than doing it in the D-League. Um, you know, I, 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 that's been a huge debate, obviously, while he wasn't playing to get him D-League minutes. And honestly, if this were next year and the Magic had that D-League team in Lakeland, we would have seen Mario Hazonia playing, playing for the Lakeland, you know, whatever they're going to be called, um, uh, uh, already. I mean, I, I think geography really played a role in how the Magic have developed Mario Hazonia, because the D-League team's up in Erie. You're not going to send a guy to Erie for one game and bring him back down. It's just really kind of co- it's really cost prohibitive and, and you know annoying to the player probably. Um, I, playing Hazonia, I'd like to see them play Hazonia a little bit more and trust him a little bit more. But he's also got to earn it too, and there's no doubt that he, that he has to kind of kind of show the coaches that he deserves more playing time. And the struggles that that second unit has had have not helped them. Um, he hasn't shown out necessarily hasn't hasn't been been really outstanding he hasn't been bad he hasn't been good he's just kind of been there and, and he's got to kind of really prove and, and fill his role a lot better um how games are going will also determine it whether he plays i think vogel tightened his rotation in the second half of both games friday and saturday uh, as those games got closer um 
as for Bismack Biombo, um, obviously the, the contract kind of says why is he starting, why is he starting. Uh, but the Magic are, are trying to win. Obviously, they're trying to to pick up games here and, and get back into the play, get back into the playoff race. And so they're doing what's best for them. Uh, with the trade deadline coming up, I think we all kind of know that one of the big trade pieces that the Magic have to offer is Nikola Vucevic. He's on a team-friendly deal, uh, probably under market for especially what the new cap is. There are going to be teams that are going to look at Nikola Vucevic as a, as a quality backup big, and the Magic are going to have to investigate deals deals involving him to make their roster better now. And so um, Biombo's got to, again, prove himself prove himself um, that, that his defense has been a little bit wild. Uh, he's still obviously a great rim protector, but he's kind of struggled uh, in, in, in some facets on defense, and, and, and I think the numbers support that as well. Um, but he's still extremely valuable. I think he's still a big part of the team's future, and, and it's kind of insurance when they do pull the trigger perhaps on, on a deal involving Vucevic. Uh, Philip, we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for the uh, update. We'll look forward to talking with you again as this season continues to play out, okay? Thank you. Thank you guys very much for having me on. And my thanks once again to Tuck and O'Neill for having me on the Tuck and O'Neill show that airs Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on Sports Talk Florida, 1080 a.m. in Orlando. You can also live stream that on sportstalkflorida.com. I know it's been a long episode, a lot of listening to me talk, but I do want to close the show on a sad note, uh, and, and I want to make sure we mention this, probably should have mentioned at the top of the show, uh, but I do want to mention this and issue my condolences, prayers, and well wishes to the Steele family. As as many of you know who watched Monday's game, David Steele was not the play-by-play announcer. Uh, he uh, went home uh, to be with his family after the, the death of his father, uh, um, and uh, the whole Magic family is, is mourning with you, David. Um, both the members of the team, obviously, uh, as well as the fans, and certainly uh, some of the media. Uh, I've I've gotten the chance to interact with David a little bit, and he is truly one of the one of the greats in the industry. Uh, both you know, grow, grow personally, growing up listening to him broadcast games, but at first on the radio, and because I do remember when he was on the radio, uh, and then as uh, the the play by play for Orlando Magic on TV, um, he is very much part of the fabric of the Orlando Magic family, the Magic family, as I like to call it. Uh, and everyone I, I know is is wishing you nothing nothing but the best and, and mourning with you for your loss, David. And uh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll be happy to have you when you're when you're ready to return. Uh, and I know everyone is is saddened by your sadness uh, and and hoping um, everyone in your family is is uh, doing okay. Uh, at, at this at this time of morning. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Magic and the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. I want to thank everyone again for listening and sticking out through another long episode of the, of the Locked On Magic Podcast. Be sure to go back into the archives and check out yesterday's episode when we talked with Zach Oliver of Orlando Pinstripe Post uh, for our mid-season review. For Locked On Magic and OrlandoMagicDaily.com, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I want to thank you all again for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, all the fun places that you download your podcast onto your podcast-enabled listening device. And we will see you all tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. 
It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.